Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So around here, we're basically of the mindset that the Georgia season has started. Practice will officially begin this week. We don't know, I guess, the date officially as of yet, but you can assume it's one of the days towards the end of this week that Georgia's going to be out there in the football field. Real practice, real preparations, not quite for Clemson in the early stages. Kirby's pretty uh, you know, strict about this kind of stuff that you don't really get into like game prep until a couple weeks prior to the game. But one of those important corner poles for us to work our way way around for the start of the upcoming season is to actually have not voluntary workouts not weight room stuff not wide receivers traveling out of state to go work with their quarterback but actual real practice where you strap it up and you and you you get busy and you get ready to go that's what's going to happen for Georgia here this week so we're obviously really excited about that also coming up in a couple of minutes time we'll have a very detailed update I'm going to do the best that I can to sift through all the recruiting news that's been out there over the course of the last couple of days so sit tight with this on that we'll try to get with you on that here coming up in just a couple of moments before that though I want to use something that ESPN has written here over the course of the last couple of days to make a point about Georgia on the field this year in other words what does Georgia's you know history of the recent past tell us about what could happen for the dogs on the field here this year it's also nice to hear the worldwide leader in sports even if we don't really like them from time to time and kind of get a little aggravated from with ESPN when ESPN gives your team a, a compliment when they pay them a little uh, praise probably carries more weight than if it's just some, you know, rando blogger doing the very same thing. So ESPN up on the pages of ESPN.com has its list out right now of the, I guess, the best position groups as ranked by colleges. In other words, you know, we kind of think sometimes of Georgia as running back university RBU. Uh, for whatever reason, ESPN's never ranked Georgia as, as high on that list as I think they probably should. Uh, if you try to get into their reasons for why, it's one of those things that is actually subjectivity, masked as objectivity. It's the kind of thing where they make up their own formula and pretend it's scientific. So take from that what you will. Georgia actually only comes in at ninth on the list of like running back university for all of college football. But I'm not here to talk about the negative. I'm here to talk about the positive. And so Georgia, I believe for the second year in a row, if, if, if memory serves correct, ranks at the very top of the list. Georgia is called Linebacker University by ESPN, praising Georgia for having produced, you know, the most linebackers, you know, I guess of any program according to their, you know, kind of formula for this. I'll read you a couple of sentences what ESPN has said about Georgia, then I'll make a specific point about how this is relevant for Georgia maybe this year. So what Mark Schlebaugh writes in ranking Georgia as linebacker university is that the Bulldogs have had eight linebackers drafted in the first two rounds since the start of the BCS in 1998, including four first rounders. Of course, mentioning that Roquan Smith was a consensus All-American, won the Buckus Award with 137 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, and six and a half uh, sacks as a junior in 2017. Also, Jarvis Jones gets some praise there in that discussion. And you kind of think of guys like Thomas Davis and and David Pollock, even though Pollock was kind of a defensive end at Georgia, the kind of guy who could also be kind of considered an edge rusher there as well. They even get mixed up in all of this. Uh, Georgia ranks ahead of Alabama at number two, Ohio State at number three, Penn State at number uh, excuse me, U.S. C at number four, Penn State at number five. So some elite programs, Georgia ranks ahead when it comes to producing some very good linebackers. Georgia, according to ESPN, linebacker university. Now, my reason for bringing this up is not just the walk down memory lane, nor is it just simply to highlight some national praise for Georgia. I actually have a more tangible reason than that. Here's the one thing that I believe, and I'm going to be like a philosophical blowhard for like nine seconds here. If you look at the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people, people who achieve their goals versus people who fall short of achieving their goals, here is one of the differences that I've noticed. Maybe you've noticed this in your own life there as well. Successful people seem to understand something, that in order to achieve great success, that you should lean into your strengths and kind of ignore your weaknesses. Whereas unsuccessful people, who people who kind of just sort of run in place the entirety of their lives, they have a tendency to fixate on their faults, fixate on their weaknesses. And they say, if I could just improve this weakness, then I would be a better person, more successful, whatever else. And to a degree, that's true. But there's a reason weaknesses are weaknesses and everybody's got them. Really successful people, smart people seem to find a way to ignore their weaknesses, minimize those weaknesses by leaning more closely into their strengths. I think a football team can kind of work the same way a little bit, which is not to say that if you have 
a glaring weakness. You shouldn't try to do anything about it. But when you think about formula for success for a team like Georgia this upcoming year, it's not just about, hey, can this team go out and improve its weaknesses, be stronger in places where maybe it hasn't quite been as strong as it needs to be the last couple of years? That's obviously part of the story. But another big part of the story is how do you lean into what you've already been good at? How do you maintain what has been a strength? And as uh, ESPN says here, when it comes to Georgia linebacker play, going back even to the dawn of the BCS era has been one of those things that Georgia, for the most part, has been pretty good at, whether it be inside or outside linebackers. How do you make that be true? once again here this year and if you're looking for the formula for how Georgia can achieve its end of season goals and maybe be better this year at the end of the season than it was in 2018 2019 or 2020 getting big time play from linebackers would be a big part of that because this is the thing as ESPN says that Georgia's kind of already been good at in the past and I think the good news here if you are a Georgia fan is that the natural resources are in place for the program that ESPN has called linebacker U to once again kind of feel like that again, both in terms of the inside and the outside here for a moment. I've told you before that if I think of the more underrated players in the SEC, as I understand them, the more underrated players on the Georgia roster on the basis of how people outside the bubble of Dog Nation are talking about these players, I don't know that there's anyone right now more underrated than Nicobe Dean. Now, Dean did get an all-SEC nod preseason from the media who voted SEC Media Days uh, a few days ago. I believe he was third-team all-SEC. Some of y'all are better at remembering this stuff than I am. You can check my facts on that. But I believe he was third-team all-SEC. So he's been noticed a little bit, but I would say, largely speaking, he hasn't been noticed as much as he should. And if you want to think about the next great linebacker coming out of the linebacking core that ESPN has called linebacker U. I think Dean's a real candidate for that. Now, we didn't see him during the spring, of course. He was working on a shoulder injury, working to recover from that. But Kirby Smart told us during the spring that even when Dean wasn't healthy enough to fully participate in practice, Kirby saw plenty from N'Kobe uh, that he thought was a part of his overall formula for greatness here for this upcoming season. These words matter to me that Kirby used about N'Kobe back during the spring. Let's go back in time and hear some of that. Nicobe still takes walkthrough reps. He takes every minute rep. I've never had a player probably in all my career coaching that was more engaged. You know, you have to stay on certain guys when they're injured to stay engaged. Nicobe's calling things out. Like, he's playing linebacker every play and making the call from the sideline. You can hear him. You, you, he's engaged. He's on top of it. And plus, he gets reps in individual and walkthrough. So, I feel good about the work he's putting in. So, listen – I think Kirby Smart's the kind of guy who chooses his words carefully. I don't think he throws around compliments empty in an empty-handed fashion. I think he means it when he says it. And that praise in Kobe Dean's obviously something that matters to me. But it's not just Dean as an inside linebacker who should also get your attention as Georgia tries to extend its legacy as what ESPN calls linebacker university. It's also what's going to happen on the outside there as well. Now, admittedly, there is some question mark about this because the guy who was in this role a year ago, Aziz Ojolari, was so successful. The best individual sack total of any player under Kirby Smart since Smart became UGA coach in 2016. But once again, for a program that has been linebacker university to have guys like Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson waiting in the wings to potentially fill the statistical void left by Ojolari's departure, most programs would truly be envious of that. Oh yeah, by the way, as I've reminded you before, when Ojolari was on this program, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door, back during the spring, back in April, he was a very big believer at the time. The guys that I just mentioned, Anderson and Nolan Smith, former elite recruits who now get an even bigger opportunity of playing time, that those guys might have a chance to extend that reputation of Georgia as linebacker U further into 2021. Here's a reminder from this show when Aziz Ojolari was a guest a couple of months ago. Yeah, I expect them to dominate, definitely for sure, next season coming up. I expect them to dominate. The, the standard is there for them to set and go after it, and, you know, all the boys could play. So, Rob, definitely, I expect Rob to get out there, make big plays, Nolan Smith for sure. And I know Adam. Adam is on a different level. I believe Adam throw up some crazy numbers up there. With it. I believe Adam could get in double digits of sacks, and Nolan too. So, it should be a great, great time watching those boys. I can't wait to watch them play. So, let me see if I can sum all of this up in a somewhat simple fashion. You know, nice words of praise from Kirby Smart of N'Kobe Dean. Very interesting compliments from Aziz Ojolari. Therefore, he mentions Robert Beal, but also 
uh, Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson, and all of this coming in the context of ESPN saying, we think Georgia's already linebacker university and some pretty key figures there, giving some reasons why that reputation might continue here for this year. It obviously goes without saying that if you could pick a position group to be the best at, the linebacker university or whatever, you know, linebacker would be a pretty good position to pick there because of the ways in which a linebacker can impact the game. Uh, obviously, when uh, you know, Roquan Smith was in that spot in 2017, he helped propel Georgia to a playoff berth. And when the outside linebacker is doing those kinds of big things, once again, there's also that great opportunity to get after quarterbacks, get tackles for loss, and truly impact the game in a major statistical fashion. That's what Georgia has the potential to do here this year. Maintain what has been a great strength and make sure it stays strong just a little bit longer. Don't discount that as a big part of the potential championship formula for UGA later on this fall. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And glad to have you with us, no matter how. You get to us today live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, also broadcasting live on the page of dognation.com. Right there at the top of the page, very easy to find. So much fun to be able to present the show there to you. The feedback on this has been great. For those of you who've kind of got a little bit frustrated that Facebook mainly doesn't really send out the broadcast notification like it used to, you don't have to wait on Mark Zuckerberg to tell you to join us. Just go to dognation.com right there. We're doing the show on the page of dognation.com each and every day. It's one of the fun things that we're able to kind of roll out here for you, and we think there's going to be even more fun and surprises on that. That's an even bigger platform as we go through the upcoming season, so we can't wait to do all of that with you. And, of course, all of this brought to you today made possible by our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. You know, they can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. You know, it's been really hot, and yesterday I was – kind of resting for a moment watching TV. I like to go in my bedroom sometimes, just turn all the lights off and just feel that air conditioning kind of wrap all over me. And the problem is that would not be able to happen if the air conditioning was sneaking out the crevices in the windows or if the door wasn't sealed properly. All that energy that's on the inside gets on the outside. That's obviously wasted money. You don't want that. Well, that's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia can help prevent for you. It also makes your house look really good there, too. And they've got great savings as well. You're currently offering you a chance to replace all your windows with payments as low as $99 a month. That's based on a $10,000 purchase at 84 months if you qualify. So let me give you a couple different ways to get in touch. You can give them a call, 678-638-1496. That number, once again, 678-638-1496, or visit PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Check them out today. Just tell them that BA sent you, and then I promised you they would take good care of it because I know that they will. All right, coming up here in just a little bit, it's John Stinchcomb. We'll get a classic city logger uh, insider update from John as George gets ready to start spring practice. Very interesting news around the SEC as well. We'll also mock Dan Mullen in a major way before the show is done today. So a lot of fun coming on all of that here before we're done. But, but for now, let's go around the doghouse, uh, assisted today by our friends at AAA, and we appreciate them being with us for Around the Doghouse. And I'm going to try to, as well as I possibly can here over the course of the next couple of minutes, provide you a lot of updates on what turned out to be a very big, busy weekend for UGA recruiting, both in terms of, you know, commits in town, targets in town, some guys who we thought maybe kind of veering away from Georgia a little bit. Seems like they made an about face. They're kind of back in business here. It also sounds like, if honesty would compel me to admit that some of the guys that we were hoping might be here weren't actually here. Jeff Sintel may give us more of an update on that in the days to come. But let me use the power of social media here to give you a little bit of an update over over the, what the last couple of weeks days have looked and weekend looked like for Georgia in the recruiting standpoint. So we'll throw these up here in no uncertain order and we'll kind of roll through what all of it is. First one, please, if you don't mind. So Dylan Bell is a three-star wide receiver out of the state of Texas. Yesterday, uh, after having taken a visit to Georgia, he puts on uh, Twitter that he's going to be committing tomorrow at 7 p.m. Central Time. Now that was said yesterday, which means that this is decision day for Bell. Bell is not a guy we've talked about a lot, admittedly so, but it seems like he and Georgia have become fast friends. So if you're living here in the state of Georgia, 7 p.m. Central actually means 8 p.m. Eastern for you. So Bell, the receiver, 
uh, is a name worth mentioning here. You know, I think he's drawing some Adonai Mitchell comparisons, which I think is probably not a bad thing after what Mitchell did here this spring. But Bell, for now, truly a name to know, and his commitment date is today. So a lot of eyeballs on that from the Georgia perspective a little bit later on tonight. Uh, How about the next one, please? Uh, Carlton Madden Jr., three-star edge rusher out of Cedar Grove. Cedar Grove has apparently become you know, not apparently, has become one of the real power programs here in the metro Atlanta area in the state of Georgia. Madden on campus for the dogs here this weekend. Gives you a go dog, showing off a nice photo. Kirby Smart, all smiles. So as you think about Georgia and its knee, we just talked about outside linebackers, edge rusher types before. As you're thinking about those needs for Georgia, Madden a name to know. Madden showing off some uh, photographic evidence that he was in Athens over the weekend and getting some FaceTime with Kirby Smart there. How about the next one on that front? Ernest Green, four-star offensive lineman out of California. He took his visit to Georgia, a visit to Georgia over the weekend here too. I'm not really quite so sure right now how deep the connection between Green and Georgia is. Perhaps it's uh, pretty substantial. I certainly would like for it to be because Green's a pretty good-looking, probably interior offensive line prospect. Uh, you know, Georgia kind of trying to figure out who its plan A targets are when it comes to offensive linemen right now. Green would be one of those, and nice to have him on campus to be able to do that. Uh, that was a pretty important update from over the weekend. Somebody else that was in Athens here, or not in Athens, but certainly providing a pretty important update. We've talked Anai White before. This is the four-star edge rusher, uh, rusher out of Philadelphia. He had, at one point in time, teased taking a Georgia visit this weekend. I don't believe that happened for why, but one thing he did do, as promised, was drop his top four. Dogs get included in this. They also get the prominent placement, by the way, in the uh, edit here from Hayes Fawcett from uh, On3. Uh, you see Georgia getting the top placement there with the uniform, second from the left when it comes to the logos across the uh, bottom, Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, Ohio State. Those are the four finalists right now for an eye wide Pretty big name to consider here. I don't know that anybody really thinks of White as uh, a Georgia lean at the moment, Georgia being his leader, but it certainly seems like Georgia may be to a degree involved in this recruitment, at least enough to be a top four there. So pretty key update from Anai White over the weekend, naming Georgia as one of his final four and really giving the nice red jersey of the uh, dogs. Pretty good placement there in that uh, edit couple more. Let's roll through these. This may have been the biggest recruiting news of the weekend. Once again, Hayes Fawcett providing this for you, that five-star cornerback Jaheim Singletary, who's from uh, Trinity Christian down in Jacksonville, had been an Ohio State commit. He has decommitted from the Buckeyes. I guess word coming out of Columbus is Ohio State's going to continue to recruit him, as you might expect. But for Georgia looking to see who its elite prospect targets that it can keep arm's length distance as we go into the start of high school seasons and college season. Uh, Singletary now being back on the open market is a pretty big deal for the dogs. I'd say it's also probably a pretty big deal for Miami there as well. A lot of chatter on that coming out of South Florida. But this is not a bad thing when a guy like Singletary decommits from Ohio State. That's a pretty big deal all the way around, and it sounds like Georgia certainly wants to be a player in Singletary's recruitment as we stretch throughout the rest of the summer into the fall. So keep your eyes on that very big decommitment. Uh, Deion Bowie, speaking of decommitments, former Georgia commit who did decommit. We showed you a little bit of video of Bowie on Friday. I want to give you more of a close-up on this. Uh, once again, wearing the red-on-red red color scheme, which maybe you like that, maybe you don't. But the one thing I think everybody likes is is that Georgia got a chance to entertain Bowie once again. Bowie good enough to share that with us on Instagram that he was back on campus. Uh, you know, you continue to hear a little bit of chatter between he and Texas A&M. That's not really a surprise given the close tie that he has with Nick Williams. But Bowie was back on campus rocking that red-on-red red color scheme with the uniform combination that he chose to be photographed in. So a little bit of an, uh, a thing to notice there when it comes to Dion Bowie. I believe we have one more to show there as well. Also good enough to share some stuff there on Instagram was Kamari Wilson. Kamari shared a lot of photos here. And the Wilson visit to Georgia was a pretty big deal because at one point in time, if you kind of follow the roller coaster ride of all this, Wilson was one of those guys, I think, on this show, we kind of treated as possibly a Georgia lean, just based on speculation, the online chatter that existed. But then suddenly you started hearing a lot about Wilson other places, and I think you were left to think, well, maybe the Georgia momentum for Wilson had really slowed down. Obviously, I think it's still too early to tell how the visit Wilson just took changes all this. But once again, it ain't a bad thing to have a guy like Kamari Wilson, the five-star safety from IMG Academy, on campus this past weekend. Georgia was able to do that. All of that, a very big deal, very busy weekend for Georgia recruiting. I know Jeff Sintel's got more on this 
at dognation.com. But we wanted to give you that update here, right there, as we go around the doghouse, assisted by our friends at AAA. And of course, when you think about AAA, I want you to think about the legendary roadside assistance. That's such an important thing to be able to consider. But in addition to that, one of the things that AAA does for you is also save you big time money on your auto insurance there as well. When you switch and save with AAA, you have a chance to save up to $529. It's great savings when you switch and save with AAA. So check out the uh, um, the websites, AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. You can switch and save with AAA. They'll take good care of you and all of that, and they can provide a lot of extra money in your pocket there as well. So you know them for legendary roadside assistance. Know them as well for uh, auto insurance there as well. also. AAA.com slash auto insurance. AAA.com slash auto insurance. Switch and save today with AAA. All right, it's a fun show for us coming up here today. And so before we get a lot of update around the rest of the SEC, before we're done, Dan Mullen had a ludicrous video uh, of him dancing, like pleated shorts. The whole thing is like just the worst thing your dad has ever done to embarrass you. Uh, we'll obviously have a lot of fun with that before the uh, show is done here today as well. But before all of that, let's get a big update on everything happening around UGA. Thoughts about where things stand as Georgia gets ready to start its summer practices, get on that road towards the season opener in Charlotte against Clemson. So much to update here. Let's do it all as we do a Classic City Lager Insider update with our buddy John Stinchcomb. Good to have him and all of you with us as well on the program here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. You know, when it comes to being aware of what Georgia practices are about to be like and the important preparations are going to take place as Georgia tries to go on a trek that could result in a championship by the end of the season, uh, it is a great resource for us to have a guy who's been in that spot before, who knows what it feels like to put those pads on and put that helmet on when it's, gosh, 105 degrees what it's certainly what it's been like the last couple of days it seems like john what's the feeling like inside your body on a day like this knowing that practice is about to go down is there that tinge of you know i guess regret that you're not the one that's out there doing it or is there a sense of relief that you're not the guy who's going to be out there losing 15 pounds in the heat like this where do you kind of find yourself from a mental standpoint knowing this is where you once were but obviously now in the analyst chair watching it all take place for this time of year uh you miss the games you miss the the saturdays between the hedges you do not miss practice at the end of july and start of august and the beatdown that your body goes through just with the the wear and tear of, of training camp but also the the gorilla that jumps on your back with that 100 plus degree heat index and the humidity that uh sweats for you as you take the field and, and knowing that on the other side of it, it's probably an IV bag. It's not a fun experience that I don't think many people uh, enjoy when they go through it. They certainly don't miss it when they see the other side. So I feel for the young men as they prepare for the season. I know it's one of those evils that you must endure uh, to, to get where you want to go. But it is there's certainly a, a price that everyone pays this time of year. And uh, it's, uh, it, 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 it's a higher cost and in other places when it's in Athens and the heat is what it's been for the past few weeks. So take me through this here for a moment. Obviously, there's a, pr- a practical value to all of this and the fact that Georgia certainly will probably be in very hot conditions when it plays you know, in Charlotte to start the season against Clemson for the next few games after that, you could have intense heat there too. So practically speaking, you have to be ready for what you could encounter during the game. But beyond that, is there a I guess a symbolic value and how you push through through something like this. Kirby's talked before about players who seem to practice better indoors than outdoors. In other words, a little easier to to maybe challenge yourself when you don't have the the heat bearing down on you. How much of a I guess symbolic value is there in the ability to withstand a condition that would probably make you want to sit down, want to drink water, want to stop working quite so hard? How much of that is a part of what happens this time of year? Well, it's, it's, it's a good piece of it. It's the mental toughness piece where you, uh, you're preparing yourself for when times aren't easy, right? Everybody wants to be great until you're tired and you're hot and you're hurting. So uh, when, you, when you force these conditions, when you press yourself early in the season, 
I think you're better prepared. Hopefully, that's the that's the theory at least. When the time is tough and it's fourth quarter and you're tired and you're hurting, you've already been there. You've already experienced a similar drain on your uh, on your body and on your mind. And if you can push yourself through and you can figure out where your leaders are on a team. Uh, where we can hold each other accountable and, and lift each other up and still demand that high level that you're going to expect in, in games like Charlotte against Clemson early in the season, I think you're better prepared for it. It's our classic City Logger Insider Update with John Stinchcomb here today on Dog Nation Daily. And I guess, John, to be more specific about on the field, as Georgia gets ready to get going here in a few days, What's on your mind right now? If I had to guess, obviously I'm thinking you're thinking offensive line, but either in addition to that or beyond that, what else are you thinking about wanting to hear about from this team, wanting to maybe see from this team as they get ready to get going on what is such an important year on the field? What are your key indicators in practice going to be? Well, I obviously want to know how it sorts out. Where is Jamari Sawyer going to play? which means who steps up, uh, a young guy, uh, whether it's an interior player like Tate Ratledge or uh, is, it, is it Truss at left tackle. That's, those are important decisions. I, I want to see how this entire offense progresses in year two under Munkin. Yeah. I think that's going to really dictate how this team goes, uh, whether we can take that step forward and, and build on what JT Daniels and the rest of the offense were starting to create towards the end of last season, uh, how, how do you make that next step? How do you uh, progress this offense to the next level and, and uh, really emphasize what distinctions and, and unique characteristics all these playmakers that they seem to combine and, and compile throughout this offseason and, and retain with some of the veteran presence and, and Cooks and White, um, how do you put all those pieces together? Uh, offensively, there's plenty to be excited about, and I think equally so on the defensive side of the ball. What's the secondary going to look like with right. the, trend, uh, the, the transfers and these young guys? Who's Is it Keely Ringo that steps up and, and really starts to make a name for himself at the collegiate level? He came in with quite the pedigree out of high school, uh, but how does that translate when you're, you've got so many of these other new pieces, Kendricks and, and Smith, um, from the transfer portal how do you put all those together and what's that look like on the back end i'll be really interested to see what the reports are coming out of training camp the secondary shakes out i want to go back to salyer for a moment because as a fan i'm kind of hopeful that he does start at left tackle against clemson i just think that's a safer choice just knowing how aggressive clemson can be with its pass rush so many talented guys coming off that edge they kind of play that sort of 4-3 style and that kind of you know, classic, you know, sort of, you know, four-man front defensive end can be tough to block. So a guy like Salyer, you know, providing that for you, I think is a, is a good thing. However, John, while I sort of root for that to happen, I also sort of root for it to be at least a close enough competition during practice that at least one of the other young guys could at least be considered. And to me, that'd be telling. You know, Kirby Smart, who typically keeps his cards pretty close to the vest, if Smart, in one of the early press conferences, if he just readily acknowledges, no, for now we're working on Salyer as a tackle, that's the kind of place that he is, to me that would be a pretty telling statement from Smart because I think it would be an indicator that some of these really young prospects who you know you think of as guys who could be future stars, I'm talking about Amarius Mims or you know, maybe Broderick Jones, that if Smart's that willing to concede in the early stages of summer that right now we still think of Salyer as a tackle for this team right now, to me, that would that would go a long way towards giving you a hint about some of those other guys' readiness. Am I reading too much into that, or do you see it the same way? No, and I, I think the time will be quick. I think you really want to establish the, the five primary guys. Now, with that said, it, it's going to be great, and we've seen it in the past. Georgia likes to use six, seven linemen in rotation. And that, that I'm all for. But you have to start with five that you really feel comfortable and confident with when they take the field. And Jamari's a guy who's been super selfless in that he's willing to play whatever role has, that, that's been asked of him. And it's been to the detriment of his uh, accommodations on the national scene. I think if he's played guard consistently, uh, 
he's listed as one of the top linemen in this country, but because of his sacrifice, he's been willing to put the team first and play out at tackle and done so admirably. I think he's unheralded or underheralded in his performance at left tackle, at least based on last season's performance. So he's a guy that I think we would be best served to find a spot and then and then that would mean someone has stepped up and claimed uh, one of those positions, whether it be a young guy, Broderick Jones, Marius Mims, uh, Xavier Truss uh, at the tackle spot, or an interior guy, uh, Webb, Von Prahn, Granger, or, or, or the what I would consider the front runner right now in uh, Tate Ratledge to be one of the younger guys to step in on the interior. If if we can establish a singular spot for uh, for Sawyer, then I think that really bodes well for this entire offense and then allows for some future development for some of the younger guys and, and more role-play situational opportunities for them. I want to ask you one more question about Georgia practice here coming up in a moment. Before that, let me remind folks, this is our Classic City Lager Insider Update with John Stinchcomb right now. Speaking of Classic City Lager from our friends at Creature Comforts Brewing Company, I had a chance to be back there on Thursday. I got a chance to, you know, be at the Snow Tire Facility, which is a great spot to go and enjoy a little happy hour or, you know, uh, just a great presentation of some uh, good cold beer. And I also got a chance to see uh, the great facility where a lot of the beer that we enjoy from Creature Comforts is brewed. Uh, a classic city lager just so much fun such a uh, good time uh and, and a great thing to enjoy this summer i'm talking about good cold beer easy drinking crisp flavor you don't have to sacrifice the flavor because it's a lighter lager style beer it's a creature comfort spin on this it's like the craft beer version of a great american lager and that's what classic city lager is it's just good cold beer i enjoyed some on thursday it reminds me of being in athens i love the fact that the name of the beer celebrates the classic city celebrates athens i think the can looks really good there as well it's classic city lager from our friends at creature uh, comforts brewing company it's good cold beer crisp flavor nice color uh, it is just a terrific american style lager the kind of thing you ought to get ready to enjoy as we head towards the start of the upcoming football season check out some classic city lager today so john as georgia practice rolls on in a couple of weeks they're going to start being some scrimmages there on the weekend and as much as georgia tries to kind of keep all of this a secret and keep all the information in-house there are always people there who get a chance to see it and those people typically are pretty loose-lipped they will tell you what they saw and from that standpoint i'm curious i don't mind telling you i will be rooting for the offense in these august scrimmages leading up to the start of the season obviously i want georgia to have a good defense in the games that matter but in terms of the missing piece for georgia for this upcoming season I'd love to hear somebody leak some information about a scrimmage where JT Daniels did throw four touchdown passes or whatever else, or, you know, the offense was moving the ball down the field. Sometimes I sort of get the impression that, you know, Smart's not quite so sure what to think if that would end up being true. He likes maybe a little bit more balance. But knowing what Georgia needs, knowing what Georgia's been missing, I'll be kind of rooting to hear some good news from the offense during some of these practices. How about for yourself? Would you go so far as to say that? I want to know who our playmakers are, yes. So I, I want to hear the big plays. Boy, Rick Gilbert looks like a beast out there. Or uh, Darnell Washington's really taking that step where he's he's uncoverable uh, when he's crossing the middle. I, I want to know who are the guys that are going to be uh, able to be counted on now that George Pickens isn't in. So it's going to be exciting. With that said, I'd like to hear more consistency out of the defense just because of, of the pieces that are being replaced and the new guys that are going to have to step up. I want to hear Adam Anderson seems unblockable off the edge uh, from this defense. And in obvious past situations, he's going to be a nightmare for opposing offenses. The way the game has changed, you're going to have to score points. You're going to have to affect the pass rush or the, the passer on the, for the opponent. So, those two pieces for me are going to be vital for any of the reports coming out of who are the playmakers on offense and is do we have the horses coming off the edge on defense to, to really affect the passers. We do on paper, but, man, if they can translate that into uh, Saturdays, I think that's going to be really influential as to how this season turns out for the dogs. 
I want to finish with this. We got the official acceptance of the invitations by Texas and Oklahoma for the SEC. They're coming in. A lot of folks kind of left to brace with what happens next. There's been some chatter of, well, maybe all these maneuvers by the SEC slows down the possible playoff expansion. And I've, I think you and I last week even talked about, is there a chance over the course of the next couple of years the SEC looks to gobble up you know, more teams related to, to, to all of this. And you've had, you know, even more time to kind of watch all this play out. The, the very quick way in which Texas and Oklahoma have now been absorbed to the SEC. Where do you think all, all this kind of stands right now? What's been your reaction to the news that's unfolded since the last time we've spoken? I think it even solidifies more the fact that there's other shoes that are going to drop. I think it's a bigger picture play. I think once you heard that there was a unanimous approval from the presidents and chancellors across the SEC, um, there's got, in my mind, there has to be more information available to them as to what this big picture looks like. I think we're seeing a sliver of it. There's probably information that they've been privy to a long time uh, before we found out about it, less than, what, two weeks ago, that this was even a a remote possibility. It it blindsided so many people. Um, And to me, that means there's been a lot of discussions, backdoor discussions that have taken place. And there is a much greater understanding and grasp of what this is going to look like and the direction this takes really college football um, across the entire landscape. It's not just the SEC that's being affected by uh, the move of Texas and Oklahoma, but the effects are going to be felt across, in my opinion, every conference in college football. So what are those implications? What does that look like? What is the bigger play at place? Uh, I think that's still yet to be determined. John, great stuff. Very interesting insight all the way around. Thanks for being here as part of our Classic City Logger Insider Update here today. I look forward to seeing you uh, again very soon. The next time we talk, we'll have even more on-the-field football news to pay attention to, and so that will be a really good thing there as well. Can't wait. You can already smell the heat and the grass clippings and the fact that uh, sweaty shoulder pads are about to get stuffed into lockers right around the corner means that uh, we're, we're only a few Saturdays away from being able to root on our dogs, which is always a good time. That is a good thing for sure, John. We'll talk to you soon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So interesting stuff from John there. I want to follow up on a couple of things that he said related to some of the news that's out there. Uh, we'll do that as we kind of our SEC Through rolls on here. Before that, though, I do want to remind you about my friends at College Ave because this is the time of year as we head towards August. Obviously, it's not just the start of football practice. It's the start of school for so many people. That means folks going to college for the first time here. In some cases, they're going back to school maybe, uh, you know, as well. And obviously, one of the big things that so many families think about is, you know, how are we going to pay for all of this? You know, are, are there some last-minute needs you have to help get your college experience paid for for this upcoming year? That's where my friends at College Ave can step in and really provide a, a great thing for you. I'm talking about private student loans that can cover the full cost of college that can help you get all of this paid for. That's certainly a great thing there as well. Competitive interest rates, flexible repayment terms, also great customer service there as well. It's a quick, stress-free, three-minute application, and then you're off and running. Uh, We're answering one of the most important questions to be asked of, how are we going to pay for some of those last-minute college expenses that you may have for the upcoming year? College Ave can do it for you. So go to collegeav.com. You can find out about your uh, interest rate. You can find out about your uh, payment plan. You can do it all in a way that matches your bu- uh, uh, budget. Please make sure you check out College Ave today online, collegeav.com. That's A-V-E for those of you listening radio podcast, collegeav.com for a lot more on that. All right, SEC through time here for a moment. So, some people take this as a little bit of a, I guess, act of revenge against the SEC for what they think was kind of a knife into the back of Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, with the way that the leagues worked together to come up with a plan for an expanded playoff. And then shortly after that, the SEC came up with a plan for an expanded SEC. And there's a little bit of chatter of, well, maybe we need to slow things down now in this 12-team playoff expansion, almost being treated as a form of retribution against the SEC. But whether it be the Pac-12 commissioner or others who've spoken out about this, there is one thing that has been said throughout all of this that I do believe deserve to be considered. This idea that, well, all of this is happening so fast, 
the college football playoff as a television commodity is too value too valuable not to allow it to hit an open market. Now, I just think that makes good sense there as well. It makes financial sense in terms of the best business opportunity as well, especially with the way that the streaming platforms such as Amazon and other entities are looking to get involved in sports, it seems like, in future years. But beyond that, I told you this on Friday show, I'm not quite so sure I trust ESPN to be the full and only boss in college football. And make no mistake about this. You know, Greg Sankey may be commissioner of the SEC, and he, he soon may be the most powerful figure in all of college athletics. But the person who pays him is, is Sankey's boss or anybody else you want to mention here in all these discussions. Kevin Warren, Big Ten commissioner, uh, you know, Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff, whoever else. I don't care where you sit on the hierarchy of your own institution. The person who funds your institution is the person that bosses you around, which right now is ESPN. So the idea that there could be some balance in all of that, at least considering somebody else, somebody else as a potential media rights partner for the college football playoff, to me it's worth a consideration, even if it ultimately ends up being you know, ESPN who, who ultimately wins this, as you assume that they would, and even if it slows down the implementation of the 12-team playoff. I think something to balance the, the power that exists in college athletics right now, too much of that, I believe, resting in the hands of ESPN. They can't be trusted to use that judiciously just look what they allegedly did to the big 12 which i think is a fairly credible allegation uh just be careful with this and so if the playoff implementation of the 12 team expansion is slowed down if other partners are considered i don't necessarily think that's necessarily all that bad of a thing one of the things i also saw this weekend i thought was pretty interesting there as well this is not a famous person it's just a person who worked very hard to come up with some pretty cool information there's a guy named adam mcclintock on twitter who you know, kind of writes about college football stuff, and he kind of got very deep into the weeds about what could possibly be next for conference expansion. As John Stinchcomb said that, hey, maybe Texas and Oklahoma to this league is just the first domino that falls. Maybe other dominoes are going to fall as well. And what McClintock kind of explained on, on social media, and I thought this was really interesting, is that Maybe that's not quite as easy and as likely to happen as you assume. I'll start with the ACC. We heard John Thrasher, the Florida State University president, on Friday's show saying he thinks that Florida State and Clemson are valuable enough commodities that they could have some interest in other leagues. But as McClintock writes, currently speaking, the ACC's grant of rights agreement, its television deal, for lack of a better phrase, extends all the way to 2036, and that on the base of the contract, it'd be very hard for any ACC team to leave that league prior to 2036. So if you're thinking about expansion of the SEC coming from a couple of ACC teams anytime soon, McClintock seems to say that that's not likely to take place. Now, can these contracts be torn up? I guess they probably can. And can leagues even dissolve? We may see the Big 12 dissolve here too. But the ACC is in a weird situation and then it has a very bad TV deal, one that pays it far less. And as time goes on, going to pay it even, the disparity is going to be even greater between the ACC and other leagues. But it is a long contract. It extends all the way to 2036. And what the guy on Twitter also said there as well, and listen, I mean, I'm not saying he's the end-all, be-all source and all this kind of stuff. But the uh, the thread got a lot of traction, and he's clearly put a lot of work into it, is that Notre Dame is also barred from joining another conference other than the ACC until this current grant of rights agreement expires, once again, deep into the future. Interesting to think that the Pac-12 actually has a new TV deal coming sooner rather than later. I forget the year on that, but it's within the next couple of years. The Pac-12 will be back at the bargaining table again, so they actually may have better power in the possible expansion play than ACC, Big Ten leagues like that, if they want to use it because they're getting a chance to renegotiate their TV deal sooner than that. The other thing that came up here, and this has been talked about before, but I guess I hadn't quite considered it is, is that on a per-team basis, the Big Ten actually pays its member schools more TV revenue than the SEC does. You know, we think about the SEC as being the biggest, it's certainly the best league in college football, but on the basis of a per-team revenue, uh, the Big Ten is slated to pay its teams out more, did pay out more in the most recent year. All this was kind of easily comparable in 2019 and slated to do that in the future there as well. So in some respects, by adding Oklahoma and Texas, the SEC is actually only working their way back kind of where to the Big Ten's already been. A lot of folks wonder what kind of why that is. There are a lot more larger alumni bases related to a lot of these Big Ten schools. You know, 
there are several hundred thousand more students that attend Big Ten schools than attend SEC schools. Big Ten schools are just very big schools. By comparison, a lot of the SEC schools aren't quite as big. So that's kind of an interesting thing there on that also that, you know, one way or another, the idea that another round of conference expansion is likely to come rapidly on the heels of Texas and Oklahoma doing what they did. The actual media contracts that exist for some of these leagues might actually prevent some of that from happening. There's also been talk as of late in this kind of interesting story that we could see massive change coming to the NCAA that on the heels of losing at the Supreme Court, that the governance structure of the you know, governing body here, the NCAA, could be completely changed. It's been suggested from the top down, including Mark Emmert, the, the the leader of the NCAA, that maybe this kind of stuff need to kind of move down more to the conference level. The only thing that I would say about all this is my biggest gripe with the NCAA, and one of the reasons why I'd like for them to have less power overall in governing college athletics is I'm a big believer in the idea of amateurs. I'm a big believer that the people who play college sports – even before name, image, likeness, are some of the most privileged people on the planet. This is the kind of thing that, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of young athletes aspire to be able to do, and yet only a select few are good enough to be able to do it. That makes you incredibly privileged if you get a chance to play college sports, and I think that college athletics does a great service for the athletes who participate in those sports. Sometimes I'm not quite so sure the NCAA believes its own mission quite as much as maybe I do, because given a chance to defend itself, Emirate and the other you know key figures that lead the NCAA, they're just not very credible voices in support of what they're doing. They're so afraid of whatever online criticism comes that they'll essentially agree with anybody if it just kind of keeps the spotlight off of them. I think I think the college athletics needs. Uh, a big, loud voice explaining all the ways in which college athletics is still a really good thing. And the cynical voices that have come to dominate this discussion, I think they need to be drowned out. So as the sport evolves and the governance structure changes, hopefully it changes in such a way that the people who actually have the power now are people who are self-confident enough to defend the reason that college athletics even exists in the first place. That's at least something that I'm hoping for there as well. Also, one more, th- a couple more things here. We'll do this kind of quick. So I saw a 24-7 reporter has mentioned uh, Bryant Gross-Armiento, a uh, former UGA staffer, has apparently been hired in kind of an analyst role at Texas A&M. And this is kind of interesting in that, you know, after Marshall Malco left the recruiting structure at Georgia to go at A&M, uh, Nick Williams, we've seen a lot of well-known names kind of on the periphery of the Georgia program have kind of gone to work for Texas A&M. It's interesting to me that two programs that don't play each other very much, they've only played once since A&M's been in the SEC since 2012, uh, yet have a lot of crossover and tie-over when it tie in when it comes to this 2022 recruiting cycle, both in terms of players, both programs are going after Barry Alexander from the state of Texas, Deion Bowie from the state of Georgia, uh, Kojo Antwi a bit before Antwi ultimately made his pledge to Ohio State. A lot of lot of connections in this 2022 class, and Jimbo Fisher has really put his eyes on a lot of former Georgia staffers who he has supplementing what he's trying to do there in College Station. So interesting how connected A&M and UGA have recently been. A lot of changeover with guys who at one point in time got a paycheck from Georgia, now getting a paycheck there at Texas A&M. And then finally, I'll mention this. Fred Davis II is a former four-star defensive back in the class of 2020, signed with Clemson. It's like a top 50-ish level recruit in that class. A guy who's supposed to be a at the very least, a defensive back contributor for the Tigers here this year. He has been arrested, you know, facing a misdemeanor charge for a, a car crash that he was involved in. His vehicle going 115 miles an hour, it's been reported. It's only a misdemeanor charge, but he hit a mailman. And the mailman is, I guess, uh, you know, facing a long road to recovery. He was injured in the accident here. So I, I guess according to what I've read here, and this is only based on trying to follow this story from afar, that the actual criminal situation for Davis may not be all that intense. The law doesn't provide a lot of opportunity on the basis of that. There is some talk that the South Carolina laws may change to, to you know, to one day, you know, punish this kind of stuff more severely. But obviously, just common sense would suggest that he could be facing some pretty serious civil, you know, penalties on the basis of the allegation, driving 150 miles an hour, causing a crash that injured a, a postal worker. Uh, pretty serious stuff there. Uh, no what word on how this impacts Davis as a football player, but right now it seems like he's got bigger problems than football uh, after a, a pretty serious situation for which he faces a misdemeanor charge for. We will make that your SEC through. 
and we'll kind of shift gears now into something a little bit more, uh, I guess, enjoyable content to kind of close things out. Gator hit a roll call here. We'll give out a golden shoe to Dan Mullen here. I mean, there is so much about this video, and if you're not watching on video, hopefully you've seen this by now, the goofy dance that he does. The thing that I can't get over, though, and I don't mean to be the fashion police here, but he's wearing pleated shorts. And for those of you that don't care about this kind of stuff, here's the thing you have to understand. They don't even sell pleated shorts anymore. I mean, he's either owned those shorts since before he worked at Mississippi State or he got them from a thrift store. They just don't make pleated shorts anymore. Also, like, this whole dance thing, this is like your dad after he orders a Mai Tai on a cruise ship. I mean, this is just, oh boy, this is just really, really rough. Uh, but there you go. Nonetheless, uh, we'll make Dan Mullen your golden shoe winner today. And Gator Hater Countdown in 89 days. Georgia, please beat this guy and shut this guy up. Please do that. That's your Gator Hater Countdown. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door. And on the podcast, time now for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Of course, we take comments for our cool down on either Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or our comment section at dognation.com. Our buddy Forestry Dog, who does some really funny uh, social media type stuff, he's got the Dan Mullen dance we were just talking about, and he's got clown shoes on Mullen, kind of a clown face on him. This is really well done by Forestry Dog. Very, very good stuff there. I could also see some of our talented people it's almost like you could put Mullen, you know, that video that always, you know, gets shown of like Steve Ballmer and uh, Bill Gates doing the dance, the Microsoft thing. I could see uh, Dan Mullen being mixed in with that. I see a lot of fun ways to do that. But Forrester Dog, really good stuff there when it comes to making fun of Dan Mullen, which I'm always really down for. Uh, Dustin writes in, shout out to Dog Nation for naming Barrett, uh, his son, one of the Kroger five-star kids. He says, thanks to Kroger for all the gift cards and a nice picture of Barrett coming in there. I'm really glad the Kroger five-star kids was such a hit. I uh, really, really am glad that, that folks were enjoying that. It was really cool to be able to honor all of our winners. We heard from some of those on video and Dustin there on Twitter. So that was great to be able to see. Josh Stevens weighs in to say on the subject of the Dan Mullen video that when someone asks you to give them the example of awkwardness, show them this clip. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing for Mullen. I think I said this on video that, you know, there's one thing to be uncool and sometimes you can be so uncool that you're cool. But on the other hand, it's almost one of those things sometimes where like Mullen is not only not cool, but he's also not so uncool that he's actually cool. He's not like geek cool. He's just kind of just not cool. Like, it's just not funny. It's not natural. It's not genuine. It's very put on, very fake. And I tell you, that's a tough thing to be able to see. But Georgia fans have certainly enjoyed making fun of him for his role in all of that. Let's see if anything else we want to get to before we go. Uh, Josh Stevens mentioned Jeff Sintel's phone signal from Friday. Yeah, that was not a great signal for Jeff. Hopefully we'll get better on that. It seemed like he had a little bit of interference or he was in a wind tunnel or what i'm not quite so sure what was going on but that was that was kind of that was kind of the thing there for friday on that front all right really good stuff appreciate you being here um fun times on our rs andrews podcast cool down don't forget we're very close to the start of practice that's going to be a big deal lots to update you on that as we get there Lots of reports at dognation.com. And, of course, back here tomorrow for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. And we'll see you for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, back here again tomorrow.